Hello. Welcome to church. It's great to see y'all. Y'all. Because we've all, all, all of a sudden gained a Texan accent. Fantastic. Ah. Love being here at church on a Sunday night. It's a good place to be, that's for sure. Whew. How y'all doing? Good? Yeah? Feel, yeah, you good? Good? That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Now, sometimes in life things don't go according to plan. Has, has anyone actually realized that or found that out yet? And, you know, sometimes it can be like small things. Like, for instance, the other week after youth group, I went to McDonald's and I, when I was sitting with some of our leaders, ordered one of the most majestic burgers the world has ever seen. I replaced the buns in a Big Mac with, uh, what was it, hash browns. So I asked for them to remove the bun and put in the hash brown and add bacon. And they did. They did. They delivered this incredible burger that was in a box that had hash browns, like one in the middle, one at the top, one at the bottom. That was the actual bun instead. And they forgot the bacon. I was like, you know, you got all that effort to organize something completely that the world has not seen. It was a mick disappointment. Turn to the person next to you and say, that was a mick bad pun. That was a McBad pun. <laughs> if there's no one next to you, say it to yourself in your head three times. <laughs> so, so sometimes we can get disappointed with silly little things like that. Then, then other times we can actually find big things in life don't go according to plan. Like all of a sudden you get fired from your job and there was no real reason why. There was no real explanation of why it just happened. Or someone that you'd loved all your life has passed away and, and you're left in a place where like that wasn't part of the plan, God, what is going on here? Maybe, maybe the person that you loved has broken up with you. It's like, God, that's, that's not part of the plan. What, what, what is going on here? You know, sometimes in life we find things don't go according to plan. And there's a story in the Bible about a guy named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Someone, someone say Mephibosheth with me. Let's say it twice, really quickly. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Sorry, I, I struggle with that one. I can't, I can't say it. It's challenging. It was disappointing that I couldn't say Mephibosheth twice, really quickly. But in chapter 4 of 2 Samuel, we read this story about how Mephibosheth, when he was just a child, he was born with lame feet, how his feet were not operating the way they should. So he'd already been dealt a bad hand. But then on top of that, or a bad foot. <laughs> and I just broke, oh no, I didn't break the mic. That would, have, that would not have gone according to plan and uh, the creative team would have hated me uh, <laughs> if I'd done that. But he'd been dealt a bad foot. He had two lame feet. And it's already bad because Mephibosheth, his, his father was a guy named Jonathan. Who, who, Jonathan's father happened to be a guy named Saul, who was the king, who was the king of Israel. And then things went a bit pear-shaped and both Saul and Jonathan died in battle. So 
Mephibosheth, who had already been dealt a bad foot, as we'd heard, <laughs> through having two lame feet, all of a sudden has his dad and his grandfather both get killed. That's not good. Then in the midst of all that going on, because of them being killed, there's all this like turmoil in the kingdom because when, when a king gets killed and the heir to the throne gets killed as well, who knows that in generally in ancient times, if like the king and the successor both die at once, then it's sort of like the throne's up for grabs. It's like Game of Thrones. I've never watched the TV program, but that's what I imagine it would be sort of like. Uh, people, people are just like, sweet, this is my opportunity to step up and take the kingship in this moment. So things have all gone completely pear-shaped for this young child. And then on top of that, whilst all that's going on, his carer picks him up as a small child and goes to flee, but drops him. And his two feet that are already lame and not functioning in the way they should be, he goes from just being lame to actually being disabled. He gets so injured in this accident that he's left disabled. See, sometimes in life we end up in these places where, where a circumstance or a situation or an event can leave us injured or even disabled in our faith. And Mephibosheth, who was actually of a royal bloodline, all of a sudden finds himself, if we skip a couple of chapters down to chapter 9, he finds himself living not where he's meant to be in, in, in a place of royalty, but instead living somewhere completely different. And let me just read this passage of Scripture to you. This is 2 Samuel, chapter 9. So a few years have passed. King David has now became, uh, sorry, David has now become the king of Israel. And David said this. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Just a bit of subcontext here. David's best friend was Jonathan. He loved him like a brother. It was his closest friend. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. Great name if you're thinking of a child's name. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, hey, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? Asked the king. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machia, son, some, uh, sorry, son of Emil in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machia, son of Emil. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, he replied, at your service. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. He was the king. He had a bit of land. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? You can just see how broken his way of thinking was in this moment from a statement like that. When people are in places of brokenness and her you can you know it says in the bible the outer the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks 
And when you hear people saying things like that, you can well and truly see that there's a lot of brokenness going on in the inside of you. I could go into some stories here, but I think we all know people. You could, you could cast your mind back on conversations that you've had with individuals, even family members, or maybe it's even been uttered from your own mouth. Places where you've been so broken that when someone comes to you with a statement like, hey, I'm going to restore everything. You're going to be able to dine at my table. I'm the king and I have the best of the best, the finest of the finest. That instead of, hallelujah, I've just won the jackpot, our response is, I'm just a dead dog. What, what have you, why would you want to give this to me? So we're catching a glimpse into Mephibosheth's mind, into Mephibosheth's heart, that he was broken. Well and truly broken. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul, his family, and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him and bring crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for, and Mephibosheth's grandson, sorry, Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah and all the members of Ziba's household and servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. So much you can draw out of this passage, but for there was just something, there was just one thing I really wanted to focus on tonight. Like I said, sometimes we can't always decide the cards that we're dealt. Sometimes it is our own fault. Let's just be honest. Sometimes our own dysfunction or our own dumb actions put us in bad situations. And I'm not here to point out your stupidity, my stupidity, I'd actually point at my, mirror myself more than anything because there's been many times I've done really, really dumb things. I'm surprised I'm even still alive, to be honest. Uh, oh, my gosh. When I was in high school, I, I, could, I could go through all the dumb things I did in science, trying to blow up things and put fuses in light bulbs and light bulbs in PowerPoints and all different things like that. I'm like, how on earth did I manage to not be, like, maybe I'm emotionally scarred, but not, like, horribly disfigured. Um, so there is times where our actions or, or our silliness can lead us into brokenness or pain. But when it's not our fault, when your parent and your grandfather have been killed, when you've been lame feet at birth and then all of a sudden you get dropped on top of that and disabled, I'm so encouraged by what Jen and what Melvin had to share today because I had no idea what I was planning on talking about. But just the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of God's heart is that He can highlight through all of it His goodness. And you read about this sort of stuff and then you find out where He was living. You find out that He was, you know, He'd gone through all these bad circumstances, bad crises that had all, all of a sudden left Him crippled. 
And then he found himself living in this place called Lodabar. Someone say Lodabar. See, Lodabar was considered a ghetto town in biblical times. It was like the slums of Israel. It wasn't the place that you'd be like, sweet, a property's just appeared on realestate.com and I'm going to go find myself a nice three-bedroom house down in Lodabar. That was the place that you'd be like, all right, skim past that one. <laughs> where is the Eastern Shore Bell Reeve? Because that's where we all are currently at the moment. You know, it, it wasn't the place that was on your, I want to go live in Lodabar. On, on the flip side, it was the place that nobody wanted to go. It was the place that was considered the ghetto of Israel. And son of Jonathan was living in Lodabar. Mephibosheth was living in Lodabar. And when I was looking up what Lodabar meant, and maybe some of you are already aware of this, in, in other passages in the Bible, in, jo- in Joshua uh, 13, 26, it talks about uh, Debar as well, and, and they reckon it was the same place, but that word actually means no pasture and no communication. No pasture and no communication. That's what the, that, that's what the word Lodabar means. So because he'd been injured and crippled, he'd all of a sudden found himself living in a place of no pasture and no communication. No pasture and no communication. Because of the incident, he'd found, now found himself in isolation. Because of the praying pain of his problem, he would now, now found himself in a private place where he had no one around him. He was in Lodabar. And I'm speaking today to someone who's in Lodabar. I don't know if it's one person or five people or... I, I just feel like spiritually some people here today are living in Lodabar. And God doesn't want you to remain in that low place, that Lodabar place here tonight. He actually wants to Lift us up. Lift you up where we belong. On the mountains high. That's Joe Cocker, isn't it? Yeah, come on. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I remember seeing Joe Cocker live. It was actually phenomenal. But anyway, I was completely off topic. It wasn't, but it was. But sometimes we can find ourselves in these low places in life. Low places where all of a sudden we've set up tent, set up camp in depression, set up camp, set up tent in isolation, set up tent, set up camp in anxiety, set up tent, set up camp in in unbelief, in unforgiveness, in hurt, in despair, in, in brokenness. God didn't call any of us to remain in that place of Lodabar. You know, those two, two things, no pasture, no communication, no pasture. What, what's pasture land, especially in biblical times. That's a place of provision, place of income, a place of, of, of security. You know, when you had good pasture lands, you, were, you, you, could, provide, you, could, you could provide for your family, you could store stuff up in your, in your bank, in your, in your barn, so that when the rough times came, which they do, you had something to fall back on. He found, him in a, found himself in a place where there was none of that. And a place of no communication. A place where we're in isolation. I just want to look at these two things a little bit more. You know, 
no pasture. That's what I was saying. A, a place where there was no provision and all these things. I believe that God tonight wants to take people out of a place where you're feeling like there's no resource and no support in this area of your life, where instead He wants to do what He said He would do in Psalm 23, that when the Lord is our shepherd, shall not want. He'll lead me through. And I love it when it gets to this place where it says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You're a rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a banquet or a feast in the presence of my enemies. And I believe that tonight, God wants to take some people out of a place where you feel like you're in loader bar and all of a sudden bring you to a place where you're sitting at the table. Like Mephibosheth, he'd gone from a place of no pasture to a place of banquet. No pasture to a place of banquet. Why? Because he was royalty. He was royalty. He was of royal bloodline. And in Christ, we actually share. We are co-heirs with Christ. We actually come into the most royal of bloodlines because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That means that whenever we feel like we're in a loader bar season of life, he can actually summon us, the King of kings and Lord of lords, like David summoned Mephibosheth, I believe God's tonight summoning someone here to say, hey, don't remain there. It's time to come and take a seat at the table where, it's, where, where you're going to have banquet, where you have the finest, you can find peace, you can find grace, you can, you can find provision, you can find the healing, you can find the breakthrough, you can find the freedom at the table. You know the beauty of the table, especially with this cloth? Pastor Dave shared on this a couple of years ago and it stuck with me and, just, and it came back to my mind. When he was sitting at the table, you couldn't, his crippled legs were covered. So the thing that actually brought him to a place of isolation in Lodabar, where there was no communication, the thing that brought him to a place of no pasture in Lodabar, the, his legs being crippled, were covered by the table. He was there sitting as an equal with other sons of the king. He was sitting there as an equal with other royalty. He was sitting there as equal with other people that had been summoned to the table. Doesn't matter what thing has been crippling you. When you come, when you are summoned, when the king calls your name and you take a seat at the table, that thing that used to cripple you is now covered. And it's not covered by a tablecloth, it's covered by the cross. It's covered by something that's much more sturdy than a cloth because a cloth can be torn in two. But what Christ did on the cross tore, tore the curtain in two so that we could be, find covering in Him, in Christ, not, not just knowing Him, but in Him. The second thing was that no communication, a place of isolation. You know... Jesus wants us to have life and life to the full. Amen. He wants us to have the banquet. Amen. Do we believe it? It's biblical. Yeah. He said, John 10, 10, I've come to give you life and life to the full. But then on the flip side, you've got the enemy. <laughs> and what does it say in that same chapter in John 10, 10? But the thief comes. Here we go. To steal, kill and destroy isolation is almost, you know, God, God, 
The devil's, the devil's heart is for just our destruction. The devil's heart is for our destruction. But his strategy is division. He wants our destruction, but his strategy is division. You know, there's another passage in the Bible that talks about him being like a lion, seeing who he can consume. Has anyone ever watched Animal Planet? Yeah? Come on. Come on, somebody. But has anyone ever watched like lions or, or big cats hunting down prey? What's the first thing they do? They try to isolate. They try to, they try to cut someone off from the body or the herd. And then when they're there in isolation, come in and kill. You know, Mephibosheth had found himself in a place of isolation, no communication. I want to encourage you that the beauty of the gospel is that he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That we don't have to remain in isolation because through the cross, we are actually made right with him, but then made right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. All of a sudden, we're welcome to the table where people no longer see the crippled nature of our past, but actually see us for who we are as royalty in Christ. And I want to encourage someone here tonight that maybe internally, you know, you might be sitting here, but internally you've actually isolated yourself. You've cut off communication. You're not actually sharing what you're struggling with or, or, or the battle that you're going through. And I, I want to implore you. I want to encourage you with everything that's in me. The remaining in isolation is exactly where the devil wants you to be. He knows that if he can keep you there long enough, he can steal your joy. He can kill your vision. He can destroy the dreams that God placed in you to produce through you. That's not God's heart because he came to give you life and life to the full. Can I hear an amen if someone believes that here in this room? See, the table covered what crippled Mephibosheth, but the cross covers what cripples us. We need Jesus. We need Jesus just to know about him we need him in every moment of our lives in romans 10 verse 9 powerful scripture i invite the band to come back up before i get to this scripture i just want to share with you a story i met um i shared this story up in the doan valley this morning i preached a different message up there but i feel the story is um just as poignant for this message in a different way than it was for this morning but I had the privilege of going to a multicultural dinner on Friday night. And this multicultural dinner was out in Muna and it was with um, uh, about 100 or so people from India and Pakistan and China and just all different walks of life and they'd found themselves here in Hobart. And they'd put on a dinner. It's actually quite amazing. In a lot of ways, it was a bit like a banquet. Actually, it was a banquet. <laughs> These long tables. Well, that actually ties in really good with this message. Um, it, it, long tables. And all this curry, all this vegan curry, all these random things. I've got no idea how to pronounce it or what it was, but they tasted good. Um, tell you what, people from the subcontinent, they know how to cook. Can I hear an amen from someone from the subcontinent here? Yeah, Melvin knows how to cook. Actually, 
And that almost brings us to the other thing, May Leisure Month. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to bring like at least five friends every single week uh, for the next three weeks because the food is going to be off the chain. Um, Off topic. Cross-cultural dinner. And I was sitting there and all of a sudden I saw this teacher that I hadn't seen for a couple of years, about a couple of years, come in and... She came in, I was like, oh, I need to have a chat to her. So I made sure that I moved from where I was so that I could get, go sit next to her. And, and when I started chatting to her, um, she just started, she burst into tears. Um, she'd been renting a house for two and a half years. Um, she, she's on contract-based um, work with the education department because she's like an art project person. Um, so she, like, it's incredible. Like a couple of years ago, she made this toothless dragon from How to Train a Dragon that was about four meters long with a whole heap of kids up at New Norfolk. And it was incredible. It hangs up in the library there. If you ever get the chance to go in and see it, it is mind-bogglingly awesome. So she's really good at what she does. But she's on these contracts and all of a sudden she got her accommodation just pulled out from underneath her. A bit like Mephibosheth, it wasn't anything she had done. She, she, she was like, my house was completely immaculate. Uh, it wasn't that she'd, she'd never missed a bill. She'd never missed a payment. But they just decided, no, we, we want you out. We want to put someone else in there. So her whole world had all of a sudden been turned on its head. She then just, with tears streaming down her face, sharing the trial of about eight weeks, going to different rentals, trying to get, rent, uh, trying to get a house to call her home. But then every single time coming up short because she was on contract work. She wasn't full-time. Why are we going to give you a house? $8,000 later, we've having to put all her stuff in storage. She's now found breakthrough and now is going to be able to buy a house because of her father's provision. The father provided for her to help her to buy a house up in New Norfolk. I had the privilege then just to say, I was like, said to her, look, I can't imagine how hard this last season's been, but can I just pray for you? She's not a Christian. But she just tears streamed down the face. Just like, just put my arm around her and just pray to prayer saying, God, I thank you. You love this woman so much. I thank you that even in the midst of all this, you have been with her. I thank you so much and I praise you for this opportunity to buy a house. And Lord, I ask that through this, she would be able to know your goodness and know your kindness. I continue to chat to her and I offered her in the end, um, when she does move into this new place, to let me know so that we could get a whole bunch of people to help her move into a house. And if, if someone's keen to actually help her move in, I would love some extra support. But I say all that to say this in the same way that she was in the midst of something that was just felt so hard with all this brokenness. When she was summoned to the table, she didn't even want to be there. She said that I, she didn't want to be there that night. But she found herself at the table And when she was there, she encountered someone that was filled with the love of God, that prayed with her, who said, I'd walk the journey with you. And I want to encourage you that when we're in isolation, that's when the enemy destroys us. But when we come and take the seat that we're summoned to, the place where God's called us to be, that's when you'll find his goodness and mercy following. That's where you'll find a, a, a banquet in the presence of enemies. In the midst of that trial, you'll see God's provision. I believe that in the midst of her trial, she's seen God's provision. 
And I believe in the midst of your trial, you can see God's provision. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you so much. (laughs) We're no longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. That when we take the call, the call to come into your kingdom, to confess by faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we are no longer slaves to those things, that in the midst of any trial and any circumstance, we can actually see the goodness of God evident in our lives and through our lives. Jesus, I ask right here, right now, that people that are gathered here, that if someone is here sitting in Lodabar, sitting in their anxiety, sitting in depression, sitting in unforgiveness, sitting in hurt, sitting in bitterness, sitting in brokenness, that tonight, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would call them out of there, that they would step up to the table that you've summoned them to, a place of banquet, a place where there is provision and communication, where the word is. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, we ask that you would be Lord in this moment. I just want to give people an opportunity right here, right now, with every eye closed, with every head bowed. The only way to get right with God is through Christ. Romans 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believed and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew or Gentile, whether you come from a rough background or you got it all together. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord.